Hey everyone, Ben here with a quick interruption before we get into today's episode to let you know that we have been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. Yippee! That is very, very exciting. We are actually incredibly honoured and excited to have that nominee. And you, the listener, yes, the very person that is listening to this right now can help us win a Sports Podcast Award and get us on the podium for once rather than always being off the podium. To do so, head to sportspodcastawards.com. Dot com, register to vote, click on the Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast category where you can then vote for us to win. Now, you will have to listen to the other nominees as well, but let's be honest, you know you're going to vote for us because you're listening to our show today, which means we know you like us and we'd very much appreciate the vote in advance. Sportspodcastawards.com, that's how you do it, and we thank you in advance. And everybody who votes for us, we promise to thank you in our acceptance speech should we win. Right now, I'm going to shut up, play some music, and then you're going to hear me talk again as we get into today's episode of Off the Podium. Enjoy. They're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philodeau. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got to hit it. Yes! Sally Stegel, 132.67, has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 of beauty. On the ice for the Gimlet. The Gimlet scoping. Sending these golden games have their crowning moments. It is off the podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for another interview episode. So close to Beijing, days away right now, and we're speaking to a two-time Olympian, an Olympian that should be going to Beijing at the time of recording this, not 100% confirmed, but should be going to his third Olympics, Australian loser Alex Falazzo competed in Sochi, competed in Pyeongchang, and as I said, should be also in Beijing as well to compete. And this is a great, great chat, learning a lot about his journey through the sport. Started very late in the sport and a unique way of getting into it, and just what it's like coming from far north Queensland of all places to a sport in which is probably as far away as you can get from that part of Australia as you can. When he first went on a luge on a track, he had never seen snow before. That is how unique he is to this sport. And he goes through his experiences at both of his Olympic Games, his youth Olympic experience back in 2012, winning a Junior World Cup event against a very esteemed loser who is one of the gold medal favorites for Beijing. And learning just a lot about some of the specifics of sled setup, sled technology, and how, as he describes it, it's more of a sport of mistakes, which is a very interesting way of putting it. So lots to learn here from Alex. You're going to get a lot out of this interview, and we're going to hear it right now. Here is our chat with two-time Australian loser Alex Falazzo. It is very exciting today to return to the sport of luge. A couple of months ago, we spoke with Hannah Campbell-Pegg about her time 
at the Olympics. And she talked a little bit about another Australian, a two-time Olympian, competed in Sochi and in Pyeongchang. He's on the road to go to his third Olympic Games in Beijing, a man by the name of Mr. Alex Falazzo. And we're here today to talk to him about his time in luge and everything luge-related because it's a great sport and Australians need to learn more about it. Alex, welcome to Off the Podium. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you very much, Ben. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's a sport which I am glued to every four years. When I am watching the Olympics, it's always one of these ones that I am straight to watch. I love it. I think this is a sport that as Australians, we need to watch more outside of the Olympics. We should be watching World Cups. We should be just watching Luge 24-7, basically, because this is this is one of the best sports, most entertaining sports. And can you even describe what it is like to be involved in Luge, Alex, and, and experience what I'm excited just watching on a couch, let alone being on a sled? It's, it's truly incredible. There's a, there's a lot to it. Like obviously the learning aspect of figuring out how to slide to begin with. And then, you know, once you got the hang of it, there's so many small things to work on. And it's a, it's a sport of mistakes more than a sport of getting things right. You gotta, you gotta really weed out the mistakes to have the perfect run. Once you make a mistake, there's no finding that time back in any way. So it's, it's a sport of perfection, but at the end of the day, it's, a, it's the sport of mistakes. So I, I love that explanation for it because one thing that I really learned from our chat with Hannah was just the, the level of, of subtlety and, and skill that is needed because she talked a lot about how Roy and HG famously back in Salt Lake basically made it look like it's a sport where you just jump on, lay down, and that's it. But obviously there's a whole lot more to it. And I kind of love that explanation about the sport of mistakes because there's, I mean, few sports where I think really you would kind of base it on, on that aspect of it, but it's interesting to hear it put that way. Yeah. It's just about, you know, going into each run, we're trying to minimize as many mistakes on the way down. And right now is a great example. I'm learning the new track in China at the moment and everyone, no one's been here before. So all we have to work on is mistakes. So you have your three runs a day, you drill those mistakes into your head, you go to sleep at night and then you wake up the next day and hope that your brain has figured out how to fix those mistakes in a way, you know, and that's, that's pretty much the circle I'm on at the moment. <laughs> and so, as you said, you're in China right now. So this is the, the Beijing track that you hope to be sort of competing at the Olympics. And is it sort of a, a case now where there's a lot of people right now there testing it out, kind of checking it out, or are you sort of in a unique position where you're able to do that at the moment? No, so the entire luge community flew over from Frankfurt on a charter flight and we've been here for five days now testing out the new track and um, just getting to know it as best we can before the Olympics in February. We have, we have three weeks here. The last week is an international um, race. It's the first World Cup of our season, so... It's nice to have the first race of the year in China and then the last race of the year at the Olympics also in China. So, Kind of nice bookends there. What, what are the initial impressions like of, of the track? I mean, kind of is it something that's suited to, to your style, Alex? Are you, are you enjoying it? Uh, I've had uh, 12 runs so far. I am, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, it's, it's completely different to any other track in the world mainly in the way that the profiles are built so open. So on most loose tracks, the, uh, the corners come up on such a angle that you get planted into your sled 
like the g-force pushes you into the sled and you can feel the pressure around curves but this track is um the corners aren't so steep so you're um it's hard to feel where the steers are on the uh, in the corners so yeah there's not much pressure to work against so learning the track has been a bit more difficult if you're not a um, slider that usually relies on feelings on the way down. But, um, you know, it's super long. And I had my first, like, clean run today without a skid and um, any walls. And that's, that's saying a lot because everyone is, everyone is just eating shit at the moment. So it's, um, it's going well. I mean, I've really the – first, the first day just – it blew everyone away. It just felt completely different. We're like, Oh my God, what, what is going on? You're like, I can't figure this out. And then, um, you know, we just slowly piece it together from the top. Okay. We need to do this. You know, we need to steer against the pressures to actually get the feeling into the sled rather than, you know, just try to lay back and um, absorb the, the pressures going into curves it's uh, we found that you actually have to steer to feel the pressures, which is an interesting way of sliding, but um, it's becoming to feel more normal the more we do it. Which I can imagine that going into something like that, it kind of creates a level playing field, I can imagine, because again, you're all sort of trying it out for the first time. So you're all able to experience what you're saying there, you know, from, from the best guys in the world to the, say the, the newer guys in the world that you're able to experience that and create that sort of more of an even playing field while you're getting to learn it. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty sweet in that sense that this is truly like, especially the first few runs, it just comes down to pure instinct sliding abilities and takes a lot away from, you know, sled setup and, experience on tracks it's just how how you're able to get it down the hill you know without knowing every because you know you go over you go over to germany or austria or you know russia and they the russians and the locals know the track inside and out and it's we're always playing catch up in those locations but come to a new track everyone's on the same playing field and it's uh, it's a lot of fun and it's also i guess going to a country where the sport isn't exactly a, a common sport. You know, you're mentioning the European nations there where it's very big, but I can imagine Pyeongchang might have been a similar case and now going to China where luge isn't exactly the, the household sport of that country. So it I can imagine creates something a little bit different. Whereas you're saying if it's in Germany, the Germans are maybe going to create a, a track that is maybe a little bit more suited to their riders. Yeah, that's right. And luge is, is, is different in the way that it's, it's quite a – big learning curve where like the Chinese athletes have had probably, you know, close to a thousand runs since the track has been built and um, they still can't get it right because they don't have the experience, the years of experience that the rest of us have. It's um, it takes a lot, takes a lot of years to, to get this sport and to it's, I mean, it's so different, right? Like lying down on your back and steering with your feet and your hands and your shoulders and, it's just different to anything else. And, um, and it's so precise. I mean, our steels are, are sharp. So every, every steer you make is, is going to point you in the direction that you, you know, steer it towards where, you know, compared to, um, you know, bobsled and skeleton, they have more round, they have rounder steels. So they, um, they don't really grip into the ice as much. They can steer in pressures, 
but they when they're on you know on straight on straightaways and when they are in pressures they can't get under the steers as well as we can and that's why i think the learning curve is so huge in in luge i love your story about how you got into the sport that essentially a, a friend suggested it to your mum and then kind of the rest is history. How, how does that conversation go down? What, what, what's, what are your, your mum and your friend talking about to all of a sudden go, Hey, Alex should try, should try luge. Why doesn't he give it a crack? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not sure, but I, I'm guessing it went along the lines of, you know, how's, how's your son doing? You know, what's he doing for sport at the moment? And my mum was probably like, you know, he's just, he's bouncing off the walls. He can't sit still. He's, um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's doing as much sport as he can. And when he's not outside, you know, on the soccer field or at the athletic, at the athletic track, he's, um, you know, jumping on doing backflips on the trampoline and <laughs> all, all other types of insane, you know, adrenaline kind of junky things. So, and then, um, yeah, she just, she mentioned to mom that I reckon I got a sport that's good for him. And she was right. You know, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, I loved it from the beginning. Yeah. Fantastic. So, I mean, was it always luge or were there any sliding sports? Was skeleton bobsled kind of there or was it just luge all the way? No, it was, it was luge all the way. I mean, I didn't even know about pretty much any winter sports, to be honest, when I first started luge, you know, I was only 15 at the time from North Queensland, Townsville. So, <laughs> Uh, you know, winter sports isn't huge there. And um, yeah, I mean, our first, so it start, all started in Townsville. Mum met Karen and then mum told me, and then we went to Sydney for a, like a recruitment camp with um, probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 other people. And then they, uh, they did some physical testing, you know, push-ups and med ball throws and a, a bit of information, you know, a PowerPoint presentation on a, on the, uh, on a screen and, um, just gave us the rundown of what luge is all about. And then, um, we rode down a, a hill on a sled with wheels and that's just got, just got the idea of how, how we sled. And then, um, and the group went over to New Zealand, Naseby, New Zealand, and, um, tried natural track for the first time. They have a small natural track over there. I think it's about 300 meters roughly. But uh, that was that was a great experience. That was my first time overseas and first time like seeing snow and being cold. And um, I think that sliding natural track before loot, before artificial track, really ingrains the steering mechanism on a sled, especially on ice, because the steers are natural. Is you don't have any um, you know banks to steer and no g force to steer on. So. Yeah, I mean, that was a great place to start, I think. And then um, the the group probably halved after that. And then about six months later, we went to Lake Placid, New York to try luge on our artificial track and spent a week there sliding from a tourist start from, you know, the 12th curve out of 21 or 19 curves in the Lake Placid track. Jeez, I don't even know. I think it's 19. I think it's 19. And, <laughs> we'll go with uh, 19, sure. <laughs> we'll go with 19. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, I had a great time. I, I, don't, I didn't hit a wall the entire way down, and I mean, the entire week. So, yeah, I still loved it. And then from there, I was, I was um, traveling each year for 
you know, close to six months of the year over to Europe on the, on learning all the tracks and Germany and Austria and Norway and Canada and America from then. Wow. It's it, like when you say that you go to Sydney for this camp and they're showing you a PowerPoint, it just, just reminds you of that scene in Cool Runnings when John Candy's doing the whole, like, everybody come to the town hall, this is a bobsled, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> Who wants to do it? Put your hand, everyone's left, basically. The room's empty. So um, it just, it's, it's incredible to think that because I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, Alex, but, I mean, are there any other Winter Olympians that have come from far north Queensland or are you it? Like, are you the only one? I, I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I should know that. But yeah, I, I feel like she that's research to back that up too because it's it's definitely not the part of the country that you would imagine that Winter Olympians are coming from. It's, is that part of Australia? <laughs> no, no. It is a, it's an odd one for sure. Which is even when you say you saw snow for the first time when you go to, to New Zealand. Like that's – you've <laughs> not even seen snow before. Like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's insane. But, you know, it, in another way it's perfect. You know, living in Australia, I'm in – well, technically I'm in perpetual winter, right? You know, yeah. spend the winters in the normal hemisphere and then the winters in the southern hemisphere while the, during the off season. But being in far north Queensland during the winter is probably the best place to be in Australia during the winters, to be honest. So it just worked out really well. <laughs> yeah, which is, I, as yeah. I keep trying to sell with Brisbane having the Olympics in 2032. It's technically a winter Olympics for Australia because it is being held in July. So it's it's technically <laughs> Australia's first ever winter Olympics. So they could maybe throw in luge. I don't know, like sort of yeah. a, a, a weird version of it essentially there. You, you mentioned sort of all the other sports you were playing. Was there ever a a dream as a kid to go to an Olympics? Was this something you'd sort of looked at when you were growing up? No, no, it was never a dream to go to the Olympics. I mean, I, you know, I loved watching it, but it never crossed my mind or I never had the spark of, you know, you hear a lot of athletes talk about, you know, they, they saw an event and they got inspired and wanted to go to the Olympics that, that never really crossed my mind. And I, um, I fell in love with the sport first and then, the Olympics came afterwards. And I think that's a healthier relationship with the Olympics and sport in general, to be honest. It's that journey though, too, that to start a sport at such a late age compared to what some people are starting sports at. I mean, we've just seen in Tokyo, there were athletes winning gold medals at 13 and yet you're starting the sport at, at 15. But that progression, because you obviously end up in Sochi in 2014. Before then, you're at a Youth Olympics, the very first Winter Youth Olympics in 2012, which is very close to when you start. I mean, do you remember sort of what it's like to go to a Youth Olympics when you've barely been doing the sport what for less than two years at that point and you're already at a at a Youth Olympic Games? Yeah, that was, that was overwhelming. It was. Going to the Youth Olympics was overwhelming, but I guess afterwards it put me in a better sense of what to expect going to Sochi in a way. But um, yeah, as, as you, as you said, I, I was new to the sport. I, you know, I only been to the track a few times beforehand and um, learned a lot from that experience. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was awesome. You know, going to the first youth Olympics, in Austria too. I mean, Innsbruck, Austria is an amazing location. I love that place and it holds, holds close to my heart and yeah, it's a good time. It's, it's, we've spoken to many of our athlete guests on the show have been to youth Olympics, sort of that dress rehearsal aspect of it towards an Olympics, which I can imagine 
experiencing something like an Olympic village and, and being able to see some other winter sports that, again, you maybe are not even familiar with until you're there and meet these athletes. I mean, does that help you towards Sochi? And like, as you were saying, kind of not just for the competitive side of things, but just everything else that an Olympics brings preparing you for that. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I'm still friends with uh, a few athletes that I went to the youth Olympics with, you know, and I, I've seen them at each Olympics <laughs> since then. And that's, that's like the only time I've seen them. So it's nice to have that connection going into the, into the, my first Olympics, you know, at least knowing a few faces beforehand. What's that then also like for schooling at that age and explaining to your teachers, Hey, I've just got to go off for a little bit. I'm competing in luge. Uh, I mean, is that again, like I'm thinking cool runnings when they're going around asking for sponsorship and they're being laughed at because, you know, tropical nation going to, are they doing similar thing? If uh, luge, what are you doing? (laughs) I mean, I, I don't even know. It was a blur. And I remember actually getting to finish. I started my, so grade 12 or 17, I um I got to stay later that year to to graduate. So I can't remember what month we graduated in, but I um I stayed in Australia a few weeks later so I could graduate and then I and then I took off for the um the remainder of the season and the seasons before that were only short, you know, just over Christmas break, like two, three month, well, two and a half month trips. So I mean, yeah. What was that process like then in the lead up to Sochi? And were you realistically thinking that Sochi was achievable given that you're so fresh in the sport? I mean, was it a case of the results were backing up that this could be a, a possibility or was that kind of a bonus and maybe you were looking towards, say, 2018 and sure, if I can make it to 2014, that would just be a, a bonus towards that goal? Uh, so 2014 was Sochi and... Um, you know, obviously didn't have any expectations going into Sochi. I was, I was having a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I was, I was 18 years old, still like picking up the sport pretty quickly and, and sliding and sliding well and on a lot of tracks, but really just like enjoying the, um, the luge community and, uh, just having a lot of fun on and off the track. And, um, you know, it was, it was definitely a bonus going to the Olympics. I remember finding out and, you know, being super excited about, you know, I'm going to represent Australia at the Olympics, but it was, it was never really a, a goal, but like the last season leading up to the Olympics for every luge athlete is just all about the Olympics. But, you know, in another sense, I've been lucky to, to, uh, to really be the only athlete competing in luge for Australia for the last eight years. So actually qualifying for the Olympics isn't too difficult for me. And that's a, that's a lot of weight off my shoulders, you know, going in to the Olympics, but then in another sense, it, uh, it makes it more difficult to, um, to slide under pressure because a lot of other bigger nations that have to race off against their, their teammates, you know, and, um, and that creates, that creates quite a competitive um, environment for, you know, every training session and every single training session, they have to be on their game to beat their, their teammates where I've kind of had the opportunity to, um, to just go along on my own pace and yeah. And does that then also add where you try and feel that sense of teammate camaraderie when you're training, say in Latvia and, and the U S to kind of get immersed amongst 
other luge riders in a team, given that you are Australia's basically only uh, luge athlete for the for the last eight or so years, to feel that sense of of you know camaraderie that you can have by having teammates in the same sport. Yeah, that's it's it's been super important to me to have other teammates to um to compete against, and you know the Americans for the last few seasons have have been great for that. Of um, you know, I've, I'm sliding competitively against them and. And um, just just competing in, in all areas, of, you know, every single training session in the gym, everywhere, and just having that um, that banter along the way is is really great for um, for you know a goal setting and yeah. We spoke to Hannah a bit about you know obviously her breaking that drought in two thousand and six of not really having an Australian luge Olympian for 12 years, I believe, at that point, you then broke another drought for the fact that you were Australia's only second ever male athlete since Roger White back in, in Lillehammer. Do you do you take that on board sort of when you when you go to Sochi, you get that achievement and that it is a sport where, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I can't imagine Luge is maybe the, the least amount of athletes we've ever had in an Olympic sport. Okay, I know Nordic combined we've had one, so that's a, a limited sport. But, I mean, does that sort of mean something to sort of think that, you, you know, you're in that really select group of Australians who have ever been to an Olympics in a sport like luge? Uh, yeah, it does. And, you know, being on circuit as well as the only Australian is, is quite special, you know, especially now that I'm actually, you know, quite competitive against a lot of athletes where, you know, this, they used to see me as, you know, the only Australian, but now they're like, oh, okay, this Aussie's, um, he's got some pace and uh, we better watch out for him. You know, that's, um, that's been really neat. So I, I'm, you know, I'm super proud to be representing Australia with around these group of people. The, um, the luge community is, is fantastic. And they've been great to me and I'm just trying to give it back to them as best I can as a competitive slider, you know, did you go into Sochi setting yourself a goal? Was it a case of, I want to finish, you know, top, top 30, you know, like, you know, set a time or was it just kind of, again, racking up the experiences and just making the most of the opportunity? Uh, I probably did have a, a goal going to Sochi, like a, um, a finishing, a, you know, a, a place goal. Can't remember what it was. It was probably, I don't know, top 30 or something. But we have a, everyone in the Lush community, we have, a, we have a decent sense of where everyone's going to be placed before the race begins since, uh, you know, all the training runs, you can, you can see who's going to, um, you know, you can potentially pick the top 10 athletes before, they, before the Olympics starts. But, um, yeah, sorry. What was the, um, what was the question? <laughs> sort of the, like the goal going into Sochi, like, you know, was oh. it, yeah, like a, a place or things like that sort of that you were touching on there? Yeah, I've, I've made that mistake before many times of setting a, a place goal. But I think this season and this Olympics, my goal will, will be to be happy with my performance, not my result at the end of the games. Is because at the end of the day, the best I can the best I can do is um, put it down the hill straight and um, be proud of my performance. And if that if that puts me in a, a decent position at the end of the Olympics and at the end of each race, then then that's a bonus, you know. So, and is it a case too? I can imagine when you go to Sochi, and and sort of the eyes going back to my point at the very beginning of the episode where I said. Australians generally only watch luge every four years, but 
you might yeah. have a, a a little boy, a little girl watching you on TV and, and going, wow, okay, this is achievable. And as an Australian, I can do this and maybe start to recruit more people from the sport in, in Luge. We talked to Hannah a little bit about that, but it's sort of something that maybe somebody is going to be seeing and can be joining you as sort of a, an Olympic Luge athlete in the future. You know, that's, that's something recently as I've, as I've grown as an athlete and got a bit more mature and older, I've, um, I've realized and starting to get really excited about the future of Luge. You know, I've, I've accumulated so much experience from the last eight years of sliding and so much knowledge with, you know, sleds and how the sport is run and every single track and, you know, the right people to talk to. And I, you know, the end is, you know, at the end of the tunnel, I see a, um, a potential pretty awesome program. If I'm able to, um, to be a part of that, I'd be stoked because, you know, I've, I feel like I've trained my whole career to be a, um, an awesome coach for someone else uh, potentially in the future. So, you know, it is exciting to me and I, um, I hope to be able to pass on that knowledge to some other Australian one day, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of Hannah spoke a length sort of about that sort of drive for the sport and, we're spoken to several bobsled athletes and there seems to be kind of like a good pathway that's going on with bobsled at the moment. And I mean, obviously bobsled luge, you know, different sports, but I mean, obviously similarities in some aspect as well. So do we need to just stop sending these athletes to bobsled and give them to luge? Like, I mean, luge is better than bobsled, Alex, isn't it? Come on. <laughs> I, I could not argue with that. I think luge is far better than bobsled. And I, I think, I think if you could learn how to drive a luge sled, it would benefit any bobsled driver as well. So everyone should start on a luge sled and then yep. move out of bobsled if, 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 you know, if they want to, but yep. everyone should start on a luge sled. <laughs> yep. How can you take us through sort of a general setup for, for, for a luge sled? Like how much tinkering goes on between, between a run at a, at a, a competition? Like if you're on run number one, all of a sudden something feels a little bit off with the sled. There's some tinkering going along. Kind of like, how does that generally work with setup of a, of a sled at an event? <sighs> okay. So the, um, the sled is extremely technical from, you know, it starts in the beginning. So a typical world cup week, we have five training runs before a world cup before the race. Right. And so the first, the first two runs are made for practice. So you set up quite safe, you know, you just, just make it down and learn the track and get a feel for the track. And then the next day you got two more runs and therefore starting to um, tinker with a few things, maybe the angle of your steels into the ice or the, the parallel of your, your steels. Um, and then also like the suspension too, you don't on certain tracks, you need to change suspension. And then, and so, so that's the second day. So you start tinkering with a few different um, setups and then there's the, uh, the nation's cup which is the qualification race before the world cup race. And that's, that's for also tinkering, but you also want to qualify. So you kind of want to be safe there too. So, um, you're just working, working with what you've learned over the last few days. And then the world cup race is, um, weather dependent. So depending on the weather is how you would set up your, um, your angle into the ice. You know, if it's, if it's frosty and a, a warm day or if there's snow on the track, you want a high angle. So you're not pushing too much snow where if, if it's cold and hard, you want a, um, a low angle, but pretty hard steel. So, you know, you still have grip, but 
um, only grip in straight lines and not sideways sideways pressure. Where and then the uh, the parallel too. So you want fairly parallel steels from the the front bridge to the back, and then you know a little bit towed in at the front. But um, and then for the race, you know, you just kind of just got to gauge it the best you can. So the, the first run you set up according to the weather and then the second run you um, either run the same. Most of the time we're running the same setup, but if something dramatic happens like a weather change or, um, you know, my position, if say if I screw up the first run and there's nothing to lose, I'll, um, I'll go all or nothing on the second run, you know, try to make up a few spots, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of tinkering in, in, on a loose sled, and that's that's a huge part of it for me. I've really enjoyed learning my way around a sled, and you know, I've I learn something new just about every day. You know, I've had the opportunity to um it, throughout my career to uh, talk and learn from a bunch of different coaches from coaches from different nations, and they all have a different idea of how a loose sled should be put together. So, I've you know, I've, I've I've got all this knowledge from different areas and I've starting to put it all together, you know, taking the best bit from, you know, the best parts from the Latvian sled and the best parts from American sled and the best parts from a Slovakian sled, you know, so just put all that together and hopefully I can find something that's, um, that's pretty nice. I love just that technical aspect of it because again, going back to my point, how, you know, Roy and HG sold this as a lot of just a simple sport of laying there and going for a ride, but it's just, it's so technical and i love that from hannah where she just told us about the aspects of your body that you're steering and just everything along those lines and what you're telling me there about that technical aspect of the of the sled like it just adds such an extra layer when when you're watching it which does that then when you come to double luge i mean is is that then even more complicated because you got two guys there basically having to 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 work it out Oh yeah, that's a whole new beast. Doubles loose. Uh, I I don't know a thing about doubles loose sleds. I mean, <laughs> you know the uh, the basics of it are, are quite similar to a single sled, but man, there's a lot going on in those double sleds. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, that's that's the the disadvantage of being the only Australian. It's not like you can sort of have you know like form yeah. an alliance with somebody to kind of do that. So come on, we need another Aussie out there so Alex can go on the doubles luge. Come Milan in 2026. <laughs> Actually, I had a go at a double sled once, probably in 2013. Um, there was a Turkish team from in Kuningze from S3. They uh, they kept crashing out of Krasl. And the coach was like, all right, Alex, I reckon you can get the sled down with this bottom man. Give it a go. And I was like, all right, I'm going to make it through Krasl. It was, it was different. You're so much higher. You can see a lot more. All the steers are delayed. And then um, I made it. I made it through Krausel and then the next corner I crashed off the end wow. <laughs> and it hurts. Yeah. It hurts so much crashing on a double sled because you got so much extra weight on you, right? You got yeah. so your body weight and then someone else and a sled pushing you into the ice. It's uh, it's not wow. fun. Which it, it seems like it's one of the more closer sports uh, between athletes, but it's also a case of, it's also that weird, like it just looks absolutely insane that at some point in history, Somebody's like, Luge is great, yeah. but let's add another person. Well, why not? Let's 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 give it a crack. Who cares how it looks? People are gonna laugh at it. Sure, but this is awesome. Like it just it's such an odd sport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is it's strange from the from an outsider's perspective, but 
you know, we have so much respect for those guys. What uh, And, you know, being able to luge in a team environment, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, all the single sliders, we only got ourselves to rely on, right? We haven't got anyone to talk to about how the run went. And I mean, we can talk to each other, but those guys, they um, they form a pretty cool bond, you know? Yeah. And, um, I have to. You're that close. Yeah, right. I mean, they're lying on top of each other. Let's, let's be honest here. But they, um, yeah, I mean, it's once once you get past that, it's two men lying on top of each other. It's actually a pretty cool sport, believe it or not. In all seriousness, this might sound like I'm trying to take the piss, but I'm not. How do you decide who's the top and bottom? Like, is it, is it a weight thing? Like, is it like, how do you decide? Yeah, it's a weight and tall thing so the taller bigger right. person lays on top and the bottom man is is um you want them as small as possible so the top so you want the bottom man smaller so the top man feels like he's the only one on the sled kind of wow okay interesting you think about it like that and then also aerody- aerodynamically it's better to have the um the bottom person a lot smaller as well so this is probably is that the only sport that you can think of where the the bigger person is on top basically because usually the other way around right like in sort of yeah yeah sports no, you're like right. that. yeah i mean i guess another reason the bigger person is on top is because in their start right these the top man is sitting on a, a stool that's quite a lot higher from the ice so they need longer arms yep. as well so it's fascinating yeah it really is and and one of the more fascinating aspects too and this is why we need to get more aussie you know losers out there is the, the, the team event that we saw in Pyeongchang, the relay. Now, that was epic. That was absolutely incredible match. One of the most exciting events I've ever seen at an Olympic Games. I mean, have you had a chance to experience that where you can do like a test run with, say, your Latvian teammates or your American teammates when you're doing that? Because I can imagine that's one thing that you'd be kind of sad to miss out on because that just looks fun. Yes, it is. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I've I pulled a lot of the reaction start is is awesome like the you know starting to when the gates open that's that's a whole other aspect to the to the sport that i think needs to be put into um just a normal race to be honest you know it's it's so awesome the the reaction and then um yeah i mean i've i have got to do it before when i was a junior and they were first introducing uh the team relay they were throwing together teams from everywhere. So I had a, a relay team with an Austrian, a uh, Swiss and myself, you know, at a, at like a junior world cup event. So that, that was, that was pretty sweet. But then uh, with the Latvian team, we trained a lot in the, um, in the fall uh, for team relay. So I have, a, it's, it's a bunch of fun and I am jealous of those guys for, uh, for getting to participate. You know, I, I need, I need two other men and a, and a woman to put it together. There you go. We've got to get the, get those recruiting shoes on and then we'll get them happening. Milan, we, yeah. we want to kind of see it pointing out after Sochi, you created history for Australia. First ever luge medal at a, at a junior world cup event. You did that in, in Canada gold, if you don't mind. What was that experience like, kind of topping a podium? Uh, again, only a few years after you've picked up this sport. Yeah, that was that was a special day. It's special few weeks. You know, Whistler is a awesome track. It's super fast. It's not too technical. But for some reason, I was sliding the best I have ever 
I think it's because it was my first event after the Olympics. So all the nerves, everything was off my shoulders, right? I was just relaxed and very flowy all the way. Every single training run I was nailing. It was, it was incredible to be in that, to be in that mindset sliding in sport is just phenomenal. And I had it for two weeks straight and then the, the race come around and I, um, I didn't, I didn't really feel nervous. I was just focused and calm and, um, it all, it all came together one by one thousandth of a second after two runs. So pretty, pretty nice feeling. And also on that podium, you, you beat current, uh, two-time world champion, Mr. Roman Repolov. How does it sort of look back? You see the photos of you on the podium next to him now <laughs> after all the success. And I mean, he's probably got a bit more pressure on his shoulders going into to Beijing. I can imagine, but, uh, must be a pretty good feeling. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool to look back on that photo. It was, uh, Roman Repolov and, um, I think it was Jonas Mueller, the Austrian athlete. That's, I think he's sprint world champion or something in the moment. So two, two top guns, but you know, it's unfortunate that I come from a smaller country, right? Because once we went to the senior, senior circuit, those guys got given awesome sleds. So, and I, I was stuck trying to put, you know, put us, put a sled together. And they, so they just got to take off in their, their careers and I'm, you know, catching up now, I feel, you know, <laughs> so um, it's a shame the technical aspect is such a huge part of the sport, but you know, you got to love it and hate it at the same time. You still got that photo though, Alex. Like imagine like I'm sure there's somebody back in like a junior swimming carnival in the US who's beaten Michael Phelps, right? Like there's a photo and you just, you're always going to show that photo. At that time, Michael Phelps only got third in that race. I got the gold. I beat Michael Phelps. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, you know. It was, it's funny because uh, that race, I was – after the first run, I was second. And after the second run, individually, I was second. So two second-place runs – win a race if you're consistent enough and to come down to one thousandth of a second too after two runs combined is um is pretty special it's the beauty of the sport though it's just those, it's those thousands yeah. of a second that can obviously can can make a difference the experience in pyeongchang did you go into that different mindset because you'd been to an olympics now you'd been on the circuit a little bit longer you'd obviously had some success in the in the junior world cup and does that change the mindset going into a second olympics and it did going into a first uh yes and no i um you know i felt slightly more prepared i was on a i was on a faster sled but it wasn't it wasn't really sliding the way i wanted to and and to be honest, I was quite burnt out by that Olympics. You know, I had a huge season beforehand with so many ups and downs and I was having troubles, you know, dealing with the, um, you know, being away from home and, you know, the mental side of things. So I wasn't really in the, the greatest state of mind in, in those games. But, um, you know, I learned a lot from it. You know, obviously that Olympics, I, I look back now and, realize that I need to pace myself through the season. You know, it's a long season, especially for me being away from home for seven months. It'll be before the next Olympics, before the Olympics. I've been away since June. Olympics are in February. Um, so just learning to pace yourself is, is the lesson I took away from those games, to be honest. Is it something that you can reflect now, 28th, which is the highest uh, Australian male has ever finished at an Olympic games. I mean, can you reflect now and be proud of that achievement or is it a case of, well, I'm still not done yet. I've still got more Olympics in me so I can better that moving forward. 
Yeah, I mean, yes, it's the best result a Australian has has done at the Olympics for luge. But, uh, you know, after the first run, I was in 15th. So, and that run was good. And so that, that showed potential. I think with, with three other runs, like my first one, I would have been around, you know, 10th or 15th, like 10 to 15th place. And that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's a consistency side of the sport, you know, and that's just being able to deal with the pressure and, um, not burn out. You know, I was, I was under so much stress going into those last runs over, you know, built up through throughout the last, you know, three seasons. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's something I'm really focusing on going into the next games. Which given the delays that have had through COVID, is that something where obviously it's going to hinder you to a point, but is it a weird way that you've got a bonus amount of rest that can, you can go into a fresh season that you're about to kind of face and, and take that differently as if you had been just in a regular sort of yearly cycle that you would be in a general Olympic cycle? 100%. I think that that time off for COVID for me was extremely beneficial. I, um, you know, I, I learned how to, for, for that whole last year, I didn't slide at all. Right. So I went 16 months, 16 months without being on a sled. And in luge, it's, it's known that you need to, you need to do it or you lose it, you know? So throughout those, throughout those months that I should have been sliding, I, um, I kept every track fresh in my mind. I had an alarm set on my phone, reminding myself to do mind runs. You know, I do four or five run mind runs at a time. And then the next day I do do it again for the entire week. And then the next, the next week I do a different track. So I'd keep every track fresh in my mind. And, and also I learned how to, um, you know, stay calm and focused. I spent a lot of time, you know, like meditating, you could say, and just, um, just getting to know my emotions a bit better. And I think that's, that's a huge part of the sport too. The mental thing in luge is, is massive. And I think, you know, it's massive in any sport, just being able to stay focused and calm without being so amped up is, uh, is very important, but it was interesting coming back to, to, to sliding again, right. It was my first run was in Russia and I was, I was nervous. I was extremely nervous, but I was, I was calm too. You know, I wasn't so cheat up and I knew what I had to do. I've stood on that track before and, um, you know, as soon as I pulled off the handles, did my three paddles laid down from lady start, it just come back to me in a split second, which was really, really cool. You know, having that all just flow back in straight away. And suddenly it was, you know, I hate to say it, but it was, it was like riding a bike. I um, just jumped back on it and away we went. And, and I think not only did I get back to sliding right away, I think I also improved in the sense that I've weeded out a lot of the bad habits that I had before, just little things like, um, you know, steering more like, feeling your hands and pointing your toes is, is my cue for sliding now. So, so lead with your toes and, and feel your hands where before I was kind of like leading with my shoulders and, and feeling my, my knees more. So 
just like weeding out the, the bad habits I had before over the, over the whole year of um, drilling in those mind runs was, uh, was a good cue too. And when you have that break and you go back into it and you're sort of saying about that, that sort of passion that gets ignited there, is it something that, you know, heading into what will be, say, your third Olympics, 26 years of age to have three Olympics, pretty good sort of, uh, you know, track record there. I mean, do you just, <laughs> is this something that you just want to keep on just pushing because you love it so much? I mean, I believe Albert Demchenko back in Sochi was, what, 40 uh, when he's winning like a silver medal. So, I mean, you know, you, you've still got a good 14 years till you get there. So, they, I mean, you could be a six-time Olympian if, if you're kind of that or is it something that you just take it each, each cycle as it comes and sort of review it every at the end of every sort of cycle like that? Yeah, I've, I've pretty much decided that I'm going to um, continue for the next cycle after this. So I just feel like I have a lot more in me now that, you know, I am – I've decided to, you know, I've got to an age now where I've decided to really take this seriously. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it well. And I'm, you know, going to put everything I can into it. So I'm going to go another four years after this because I feel like I'll be ready these Olympics, but not a hundred percent because of that year off. There's a few sled things that I just don't have time to figure out now that, um, that I need to sort out before the next Olympics. But, um, but it and and it's a it's a experienced sport, experience based sport, right? We have to learn each track. So and you need runs on each track. So the longer you have to learn each track and really ingrain those lines into your head, the the better you'll be. It's a very select club, a, a four time Olympic club, uh, four time Winter <laughs> Olympic club for Australians, let alone that aspect. So uh, that's incredible. And to to think that again, you sort of. It wasn't exactly something that growing up you're like, I'm going to be an Olympian. It sort of, you know, it came about, which, I mean, it's, it's a great story behind that. Yeah, thank you. Which is the, is the track in Milan, is that one that's given, that has been built or like is it something they upgrade or is it going to be completely new? I mean, do you sort of know what that process will be for 2026? I have no idea. I'm just focusing on these games first and uh, we'll take it, <laughs> take it take it from there afterwards you know because <laughs> it's it's is this like what less than 20 in the world or something like that tracks or like there's like a very select number of these sort of tracks so you know it's sort of interesting uh, i heard of... i heard a rumor that they're not going to build any new tracks after these games or maybe the next games because right. it is it's financially doesn't make sense to to keep building new tracks at every new nation it's just insane the the money they pour into these tracks you know especially for a lot of tracks that don't get used again, you know, like Korea, we haven't been back to Korea since the Olympics mm. and that's, that's really sad, but um, I feel like China's unfortunately going to, that's, that's sort of, that's sort of what's going to happen as well here in a, in a lot of sense. It's such a European based sport and without having, you know, three tracks to go between in Asia, there's, it's not really financially, doesn't really make sense you know i mean it's a shame that nagano closed down in japan because then you have a, a circuit here in asia that we could have slid on you know beijing pyeongchang and nagano but um i mean you know never say never it'd be nice to go back to korea i mean i've kind of blanked that track out of my head i've just forgotten everything about it because i wasn't really happy with my result but it'd be good to go back and get some um your redemption you know <laughs> Well, I'm just thinking Brisbane 2032 again. Like, you know, maybe we can invite somebody out there to build, you know, the Southern Hemisphere's first yeah. loose track, right? Like, we, we're overdue. Come on. 
it would be. Can't handy. argue with that. <laughs> exactly, it'd be handy. Now, Alex, before we wrap up with a series of sort of questions, we just like to close out with one thing. I wanted to touch on. I, I believe I brought this up with Hannah. I, I remember back in Sochi. Uh, getting to to remember you as an athlete because you had the fro going on, like you've got a bit of the, the fro sort of. It looks like it's sort of coming back. Like, is this is this something that like helps or hinders when it comes to to luge? You know, like does it help in that helmet or you know bring back the fro, Alex? <laughs> I know Hannah keeps trying to get me to bring back to flow, bring back the fro. It comes it comes back every now and then. I mean, I just. You know, I just cut my hair and then let it grow for six months and then cut my hair again. So, <laughs> but you know, I, I got a, I got a haircut recently. So by the Olympics, it might be, it might be okay. So hey, <laughs> see if the flow is growing. Do it. Like that's, that's get the kids involved. They can see it. Like, I mean, we're seeing the return of like the dirty mullet, right? So like you could kind of, you know, we, we saw that during um, the Olympics with, uh, with uh, Cam Smith, right. And like sort of the, the mullet and just everything. Like, so like, I, I'm thinking that we can do this, like get the kids involved in luge by with the, the mullet or the fro. Like it's, it's going to yeah. work. Okay, I can't argue with that. Let's do it. Okay, I'll it's grow it about- out. I'll grow it out to the games. Promise. Good. All right. <laughs> all about the kids getting them in the sport. All right. We want you in doubles and mixed relays come Milan. So you know we've got to start getting them involved, Alex. All right. So hey, I'll take it up if that's what it takes. You know, like you twist my arm. All right. You know. There you go. Now, as I said, we wrap up our interviews with a set of fun sort of questions. These are based on a Team Canada questionnaire. They give their athletes ahead of uh, Pyeongchang they did and Rio. And I'm always excited when I can actually use an athlete from the same sport. And I found a questionnaire they gave to Tristan Walker. Now, how, oh, no. how yeah, are you friends with Tristan? Do you do you associate with him much? I mean, how, how do you think he's going to answer some of these questions? Uh, I got a pretty good idea of how to answer a lot of these. We get along well. We, we've, we've been on a holiday together with, um, oh. to Thailand. So <laughs> we're okay. good mates. Good, yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Well, I feel I need to let you know his answers along the way here. So uh, there you go. And as always, again, completely optional here, Alex, but there is a drawing element if you want to do some homework. Uh, there's Draw a picture of yourself. Draw a picture of one of your teammates. Um, I'm seeing here the picture he's drawn of him uh, and his teammate. He's very interesting. It's a stick figure luge doubles pair, but hey, cool. Uh, he tried. Um, so I'll start off with your favourite ever Olympic moment is? Oh, man. Favourite ever Olympic moment. Hmm. You can answer your own, like if you want to say like any of your own, like that. That is, you know. Oh, oh, um, you know, Chris Mazda winning the silver medal at the uh, the last games. That was that was pretty cool. I mean, that okay. whole podium at podium at the last Olympics was was pretty special to watch from the sideline. So <laughs> I'm gonna Good say answer. that. Stick to your sport. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Tristan said here, Donovan Bailey winning 100 metres back in what was that, Atlanta. Okay. So very Canadian answer. Yeah. Of course he's going to say that. Um, yeah. If yeah. I could have any superpower, it would be? Teleportation. Because I could just go home for a second and then come back to lose, you know, every now and yeah. then. Simple, easy. <laughs> uh, Tristan's yeah. gone with the ability to fly. So yeah, same, same. Depends how fast fly. you can fly. Okay? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now, this is a pretty... Uh, He's given a very standard answer for this question, a very Winter Olympic athlete answer. Your favourite sports movie is? Sports movie? Mm. Oh, um, 
oh, okay, I'm gonna cool runnings. There you go. Yes, <laughs> there you go. He's he's answered cool runnings. So uh, <laughs> on with that yeah. one. We're getting we're getting a few more Eddie the Eagles note out now though. So kind of. Yeah, okay, no, that is that is a good one. I have to rewatch that. It's been a while. I mean, that basically is just cool runnings, but with ski jumping. But I mean, still, it's a yeah. great movie. It's got Hugh Jackman in it. Who's going to complain about that, right? So, and Christopher <laughs> Walken's in that movie. So why not? Uh, your favorite pump up song is pump up song. Um, at the moment, it's uh, Alice Ivy. Get me a drink. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Good song. Yeah. He's gone for <laughs> back for more by Five Finger Death Punch. So, <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, I'm not sure if this is on like the Thailand playlist or something along those lines. Um, <laughs> the most recent TV show that you binge watched is the Squid Game count as a TV show. Yeah, all right, Squid Game. It's the last Squid one I binged. <laughs> Done. He's went with uh, yeah. Game of Thrones. So uh, okay, you know, yeah. standard. Uh, your least favorite foods, and I'll just say, Tristan's literally answered. I like everything. <laughs> oh man that's you know what i'm actually with him there i don't really i mean we travel so much and we we're kind of forced to eat everything so yeah <laughs> i've just grown to eat everything go for it was it was there anything in thailand that you were kind of like yeah give me that bring out your dead i'll eat it come on <laughs> oh I'd, I, I would wrap my lips around anything in thailand in yep. food wise <laughs> go for it go to town uh, if you weren't an athlete what would you be Oh, that's a great question. I have no idea. Probably, probably an electrician or a tradie of some sorts, most likely. Yeah, <laughs> just that works. Yeah, you're 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 a keen fisherman, I believe. Uh, anything sort of you get out in the water or kind of do that as a profession? As oh, I don't know if I do it as a profession. It might take away from the uh, the fun of it, you know. The fun of it. If you have yeah. to, you're forced to do it every day. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I see where you're going there. Uh, Tristan's gone with fighter pilot. So he likes okay. to fly, clearly. So he's, he's kind of got there. Yeah. Now, I love this answer, the fact that you've mentioned you've been on a holiday with him to this place. So he's answered Thailand for this question. Uh, Favourite <laughs> vacation spot is? <laughs> oh, vacation spot. Hmm. Oh, um, I love the east, the New South Wales coastline. I, okay. <laughs> yeah, surfing and uh, the north... New South Wales coastline is a Beautiful. pretty awesome place. So. Like Byron Bay, awesome. kind of sort of around that area? Yeah, yeah Byron to Newcastle is, uh, is yep. pretty sweet. Yeah. Beautiful. Good answer. Coming from a Queenslander too, pumping tires in New South Wales. Not common. I know. So just, you know <laughs> there you go. It can happen. Uh, what is something that people usually describe you as? Describe me as? Hmm. Oh, um. I don't know. They say the running joke is uh, I'm a loser. So loser. <laughs> hey, so. I like that. Luge puns. Didn't realize they existed. I like it. Okay, I'm going to test you on this one. What would you describe Tristan as? And let's see if it matches up with his answer. Oh, man, he's a. Oh, he's uh, he's energetic, I would say. He's got a lots of energy. He bounces off the walls. He's. um. Big personality. Okay. <laughs> What's he's, he got? He's, he's answered fast. So but, yeah, okay, there you go. That, that's yep. up. Yeah. Yep. I do like here that um, 
Team Canada have included a, a photo of his Instagram and it's got sort of a picture of him with his arms crossed looking all tough and, and menacing. But I, I kind of like this rooster sort of crest hairstyle he's got going with a bit of the, you know, the shave blend look. So, you know, like just um, apparently weirdly into hairstyles during this interview today, Alex. I don't know what's going on with me. Uh, <laughs> if you could be an Olympian in any other sport besides your own, what would it be? Surfing. Surfing. Nice. <laughs> there you go. That works. He's gone for hockey. Very Canadian. So There you go. Yeah. All right. Um I always I always struggle with this question just because it's a it's one of these ones that I feel you either have an answer straight away or you don't have an answer at all. Your favorite song lyrics are. Oh. Alright, so it's a disclosure song. Okay. And I don't I don't remember the song name, but it goes where your where your energy f- wait where your tension goes your energy flows and that's kind of a mantra I've been running on lately. So I like that. That works very yeah. well. Can you can you yeah, like, like that. stencil your sled? Like, is there any customization you could like include that on like your sled? Yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. I might have to um, get the marker out. Maybe yeah. Put a little message there somewhere. Go for it. Do you name your sled at all, Alex? Do you, you sort of go that path at all? Oh, I used to, but no, not anymore. It's part of me. Okay. doesn't need a name. Right. Yeah. doesn't need a name, right? I, I, I'm just, I, I put that out there because I've tried to get half the Australian bobsled team to call their sleds Ben so I can say they've been to the Olympics. So again, if you, if you feel that need, you know, I, I won't say no. Tr- Tristan's got very Canadian. He's very proud to be Canadian, Tristan. He's just gone with True North Strong and Free from the National Anthem, so why not? Um, so, okay. Um, your guilty pleasure is... Guilty pleasure. I mean, I eat a lot of chocolate. I love chocolate, but I don't, I don't feel guilty about it. Uh, (laughs) As you shouldn't. (laughs) As I shouldn't. Yeah. Coaches might feel a bit bad if you don't fit into the suit after a big chocolate binge, but. um, Hey, hey, the the biggest, the biggest stone rolls fastest down the hill. So you got to pack on the pounds. I'm eat more chocolate. (laughs) You've got an Olympics to go to. You can just be going and chowing down a couple of family blocks. What are you doing? I'm training for the Olympics. I've got to eat all the chocolate. So, you know, it kind of works. Yeah. Tristan's gone for a DQ blizzard. They're pretty good. Uh, So, you know. Okay. The, uh, yeah. yeah. Take those. All right. Um, Alex, before we let you go, people want to follow your journey in the lead up to Beijing and, and beyond social media, anywhere that people can sort of stay up to date with, with your progress. Yeah, pretty much only Instagram. I do post to Facebook, but I just share everything off Instagram to Facebook. And my Instagram hash um, account is at pink shorts hula. Pink shorts hula. All right. Now, wh- wh- yeah. where does that come from? Oh, so at the last, before the last Olympics at the training camp in Korea, the, um, the team, so I was, I'm good friends with the Canadian team and I was beating them all at the start or the Canadian athletes. And I was really, you know, stirring the athletes and the coaches up a bit while doing this. And during the Canadian meeting team meeting, the, uh, the coach, he's a German guy. He goes, and I quote, this this pink shorts hula Australian is a uh, come on guys he's beating you at the starts and <laughs> and uh, I was told about this from the uh, the Canadian teammate and I was like oh you know what that's a pretty sweet name so 
Lock it in. Wow. Lock That's it in. great. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. The best names come from those moments, don't they? So uh, yeah. love yeah. that. Fantastic. Alex, mate, it's been so much fun chatting to you today, learning about Luz, your career and everything. Fingers crossed for everything going towards Beijing to Milan to, to 2030, 2034, 2038. Keep on going. The sky's the limit. But uh, we really uh, appreciate your time and uh, we look forward to uh racing down that track again uh, very shortly in Beijing. Awesome. Thank you very much, Ben. I had a ball. And a massive, massive thanks there to Alex for his time. Fascinating insight into the sport there. And uh, I'm kind of interested now on on getting nicknames from Canadians, uh, you know, sort of uh, obviously a German coach, but working with Canadians. So uh, Pink Shorts Hula, maybe we can uh, sort of come up with some ideas along the way for some, I don't know, nicknames for, for our Canadian friends on this show or Canadians can come up with that way or maybe we just need to get some more Germans on the show to come up with that. So great insight there from Alex. And as I should always say at the end of these interviews and often forget, if you want to watch the video version of this interview, you can hit us up on YouTube, search for Off The Podium and you can watch the video interview with myself and Alex there. As of now, we are days, days away from Beijing and we're continuing episodes every single day right up through to the closing ceremony of the Beijing Olympics. We have some great content coming your way. Daily recaps, of course. We will have a special preview episode where I will be joined by Jared and Colin to give our takes on everything, our last-minute thoughts ahead of the Olympics and also a bonus episode that we will be having. We're calling it Athletes to Watch at Beijing 2022 where we essentially bring you clips of all of our guests who will be at the Beijing Olympics to hear their thoughts ahead of the games. We do want to pinpoint that this will be athletes who have had on the show since Pyeongchang right through until Beijing. So obviously we had a couple of athletes on before Pyeongchang that will be at the games as well. But of course, we didn't get them on after Pyeongchang to talk about their lead up into Beijing. So I will kind of preface that by saying, if you're wondering where our Kalani Crane interview is, Sandy Kennedy Sim interview, uh, we sort of had them in a different cycle. But we're obviously still focusing on them as former guests of this show. So uh, we'll explain it a little bit more in that uh, episode as well. But if you want to stay up to date with everything that we have got going here and off the podium, because it is getting busy and you don't want to miss a single second of what we've got out there to produce, search us on social media simply type in off the podium or on instagram facebook and twitter hit us up on whatever podcast platform you use apple podcast google podcast spotify stitcher iheart radio amazon podcast we are available and while you're there leave us some feedback we'd love to hear what you think of the show we often don't talk about the feedback and sort of everything else that we get lauded with this show because often we record these out of cycle and the fact that we pre-record a bunch of these and then things happen and then when Jared and Colin and myself get on board, we talk about it, whether being nominated for an Australian Podcast Award or recently discovered that we were included on a New York Times podcast list of top six Olympic podcasts to listen to, all these great honours that we are so absolutely thrilled to achieve. Uh, we, we want to point out there that we thank you guys out there for listening to help us achieve these things because without you listening and sharing the show we're not going to achieve these things which uh, obviously mean a lot to us so we thank you for listening and helping support the show and continue to support the show too by listening interacting with us on social media and everything else along those lines so from the bottom of my heart and everybody else involved here at off the podium we definitely thank you 
for joining us throughout all of these episodes and also continuing to join us as we get very busy during Beijing. Bring on the Olympics. I'm so excited. You know I am. I'm excited to close this episode right now. Not because I don't want to keep talking to you, but you want me to end this episode because you want to get yourself prepped for the Olympics by listening to some more Great Off the Podium episodes. So you can listen to those, of course, when you subscribe to the show. Big thanks again to Alex. Big thanks to you for listening. Special shout out to Jason Momoa. My name is Ben. This is Off the Podium. And as always, go left. What an episode. You loved every single second of it. It's been, again, just quickly reminding you once again, if you want to help us win a Sports Podcast Award, sportspodcastawards.com, register to vote, click on Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast section, listen to the other nominees, and then go, hey, off the podium's awesome. They're so good. They put in so much work and so much effort, and we just love them, and they deserve to go on the podium for once. Ben's awesome. Jared's awesome. Colin's okay, but he's also kind of awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And particularly if you've actually listened to the rest of this and ended up here, because generally I assume you've well and truly tuned out by now. But seriously, if you're at this point of the podcast, then you're a true listener. And that means that you're a true fan and you should vote for us. Sportspodcastawards.com. Do it now. We will thank you forever. Literally ever. Like every episode moving forward, we will thank you forever. Sportspodcastawards.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. I'm I'm really going to go now. Bye.